Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Demon Land podcast. Uh, my name is Andy, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, uh, Grape Viney. Good evening, Grape Viney. Uh, good evening, Demon Land, and uh, good evening to all the listeners out there. Uh, a very funny show that we've got teed up tonight, thanks to our special guest, uh, Titus O'Reilly. Uh, social media superstar so really looking forward to having uh, Titus on yeah it is exciting it was a good get I um, you know I thought uh, you know we wanted to sort of mix it up with the type of guests that we've had we've had Mel Hickey we've had Max Gorn and um, I'm trying to get one of our one of our coaching staff on uh, which I'm sure will happen soon but wanted to sort of mix it up and get someone else so I thought can't go work you know if you don't ask you you don't get so I thought I'd uh, put it out there and ask Titus to come on and he's agreed so you know he's a fellow demon tragic like the rest of us uh, listening to this so um, yeah be good to hear his take. Is there any chance um, is there any chance that Titus O'Reilly and Demon Land's resident um, comedian destroy all are one and the same person? Have they been spotted in the same room together? Well, I don't know. Everyone was sort of asking me, um, you know, just Titus uh, post on Demon Land. And I don't know, maybe that's something we can ask him tonight. Um, maybe he doesn't want to give away, show his hand. He might, uh, he might say yep. he doesn't. He might just leave it um, to our imagination. So, um, yeah, that is uh, beyond our control. But uh, we can ask the question, certainly. He might be stealing material from Demon Land. Well, that's... This could uh, could get ugly. <laughs> I uh, I like to accuse everyone of stealing material from Demonland. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think I've we've seen uh, you know things appear on Demonland and then have appeared in one form or another in some type of media. So um, yeah, I'll I'll um, I'll take all the credit for that. <laughs> I did check uh, with a journalist one day from the Herald Sun. I ran because there's there is a popular theory on Demonland that journo's just sit on there all day and read every thread, which I don't believe to be the case. But I did check with a journo, um, and that person seemed to think that there would be some journo's that would trawl through the supporter sites like uh, Demonland. Um, but you know, I don't think they read through you know every post in every thread. Um, it'd be impossible to do do sort of the rest of the work that they do. So anyway, um, we could argue that one, I guess. Well, I guess they're, you know, if, if they're going to do that with Demon Land, then they've probably got to do that with all the other fan sites that are out there. And, um, you know, that seems to be a, a waste of time for a, you know, a, de- a decorated journalist. You would think they might uh, get the interns to, to sit on those ones. That's true, although uh, uh, there are few, uh, fewer and fewer interns and journalists at the papers these days, and you only need to look at today's age, which had a little article about Angus Brayshaw uh, and his concussion issues and a, um, accompanied by a picture of Jack Watts. <laughs> so um, that's, uh, that's the standard we get these days, unfortunately. Well, um, you'd sort of expect that if they're... Um, uh Sending uh, the uh, fact-checking uh, offshore, which uh, could be the case. <laughs> well, unfortunately, it's all going offshore. We also got news this week that the Herald Sun um, has let go uh, one of its best uh, uh, footy photographers, Wayne Ludby, yep. um, who's been uh, around the Cape for 
uh, well, 20-plus years. He was a former picture editor at the Herald Sun and also a Demon fan um, is Wayne. Uh, of course, he's also the uh, um, brother-in-law to the late, great Jimmy Steins. Okay. Uh, his sister is uh, is Sam Steins, okay. uh, formerly Sam Ludby. So um, just a, another little... Uh, uh, demon tidbit there, but uh, yeah, it's a, a shame that um, he's a great photographer, Wayne Ludby. It's a shame that uh, we won't see, uh, well, for the moment, we're not going to see his work um, anymore. I'm sure he'll get another gig somewhere in the industry. So, who's taken his job? Some kid with an iPhone? <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, I probably some of our listeners follow Wayne on Instagram or Twitter and. Uh, uh, he's done quite a few Melbourne games already this year and uh, his pictures um, are just superb. So, uh, yeah, a bit of a shame uh, the way these things are going in the in the modern media landscape. Yeah, that that is a shame. Um, and uh, in a few minutes, we'll we'll take a, a quick a quick break and bring uh, bring Titus, our guest, on. Um, but just before we get there, um, we might just have a brief chat about the. Uh, extra man or men that uh, our opposition had on the weekend now now I don't like to um to ever you know excuse any losses on bad umpiring or um you know bad decisions but uh yeah it almost seemed like the opposition had an extra man on the field and it was noted that on 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 Demonland during the week that uh the free kick stats that that North got on the weekend uh was akin to uh their third or fourth most uh, highest possession getter on the weekend? Well, yeah, I think it was 22-10, I think, was the final um, count, uh, which is very lopsided. Uh, look, it does happen occasionally, and we've had games where we get the where we get the rub of the green. Uh, we certainly didn't get it on the weekend, and no. there were, you know, you could point to half a dozen instances where, uh, you know, we were basically crucified uh, there's been a big thread about the um, decision against uh, Christian Salem in yeah. the last quarter, which was just inexplicable um, uh, in front of the members, uh, on the members' mm-hmm. wing there. He was right in front of um, us. And uh, uh, there was the deliberate out-of-bounds against, uh, against Hibbert, which um, came off a north player. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then, of course, there was the inability of the umpires to control the game yeah. really from the outset. And uh, had they nipped that in the bud early, it, um, you know, the, the game would have been different. It wouldn't have had that spite and, uh, and Christian Salem probably wouldn't have uh, committed the stupid act that he did eventually commit and, and now we've lost him for a week. Yeah. Um, and we'll yet talk. another suspension that we can't afford. Yeah, and we'll probably talk more about uh, that uh, a little bit later. Um but for me, with the free kicks, it's not just the free kicks that uh, you get against you. It's it's oftentimes it's the free kicks you don't get. And, you know, in particular, the free kicks that they were getting, it wasn't being reciprocated when that sort of stuff was happening to us. Um, and the thing that frustrates me the most is the free kicks that some of their, you know, opposition teams forwards get that, you know, <laughs> Jesse does never gets any of those... Uh, free kicks and maybe it's because he sometimes plays for them but um yeah yeah it, it was disappointing uh question in the chat room how how do we think that the club should approach it maybe we can return to that question um 
uh, after we've had Titus on because he's uh, he's probably coming up in a moment, I yeah. think, isn't he? Yeah. So I'm going to. We'll, he's we'll, uh, probably standing by. Yeah, he he is. Well, I haven't. I've got to. I've got to get him up on uh, the old Skype in one second. So uh, we might just uh, whack some music on. Uh, for a second while we bring him up, you know, unfortunately we don't have a, a team of uh, staff here. I should get my wife to, to be, uh, you know, our uh, call screener. Um, we don't have that, so uh, we'll do it the manual way. So, she, could uh, do, uh, she could do advertisements <laughs> yeah. um, if we had sponsors. Yeah, she get, could sort of read out prepaid ads. Yeah, I'll get my kids uh, on that straight away. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, uh, we're going to take a, a quick break. Uh, you can listen to the uh, lovely sounds of Up There Kazali while we uh, bring our guests on. Go for it. Well, we're uh, very lucky uh, tonight to have... Um, as our special guest, one of the funniest men in football. Uh, he's got tens of thousands of uh, followers uh, on his various social media accounts. Uh, he's got a regular uh, gig in the Herald Sun and elsewhere. I'm speaking, of course, uh, about Titus O'Reilly. Um, uh, welcome, uh, Titus, to the Demonland podcast. Oh, well, it's good to be with you and the, the funniest man in football. It's a low, it's a low bar in the football media to be funny, I've got to say. Well, it, it got a bit lower, didn't it, just recently with the passing of uh, Lou Richards, probably one of the original uh, funny men uh, in the game. So, um, yeah, one less, uh, one less competitor for you, I suppose. Yeah, well, I think Lou was one of the first ones. Um, he also led to every... Uh, Basically, every footy player getting a gig in the media these days, which hasn't always been for the good, for the best, really, has it? No, no. I think we've all uh, we've all suffered on that front. Look, Titus, we've prepared a list of questions for you to try and tease out your very best material, and I'm just looking at that list now. And question one is: ask Titus to say something funny. Question two is: ask Titus to say something else that's funny. And question three is. A rabbi, a priest, and Alex Neil Bullen walk into a bar. What happens next? <laughs> well, Alex probably get dropped. Knowing the way he's going lately. And the what's a funny thing I could say? I could probably say that the funniest thing I could say is Mark Neil is a wonderful coach. <laughs> I love it, um, Titus. Can you can you give us a little background to the gener- ge- the genesis of the Titus O'Reilly character? and the, your presence on social media, and also, does the 1920s Sydney gangster Herbert Ellis know that you've stolen his identity? <laughs> well, the, the truth of it all was I didn't start with anything in mind, um, if that makes sense. I, uh, I sort of just one day, a few friends were starting a website and asked me if I'd contribute some stuff. And um, I set up a Twitter account and they said they all wanted to have fake names because they were working <laughs> in certain jobs that they didn't want people to know what they were saying. And so they made me come up with one, not that it's fake, of course. And um, that's sort of how it happened. And I thought I'd do it for two weeks. So I started writing a couple of pieces and I wrote some blog pieces that were, funnily enough, serious pieces because I hadn't written for ever before. And no one read them at all. Um, not even, you know, my parents read them. It was pretty, <laughs> it was pretty uh, you know, debilitating. And then I wrote once about the third time when I was about to give up on it, I wrote one about the constant fear of raising a Carlton supporter. <laughs> yeah, that's my biggest fear. <laughs> yeah, it's a huge fear to have. And, um, although 
making your child a Melbourne supporter might be just as bad in some ways. It's but, cruel. Uh, you know, sort of signing your, your child up to a lifetime of misery. But uh, So I started it and, and that actually got a few people reading it. But even then it was small and Twitter it just started to build slowly. And I just enjoyed it. And most of it was just tweeting actually during Melbourne games, venting, because it just happened to coincide with, uh, you know, the Bailey slash Neil years, the, the post-Danaher years that we all just been through and might, so might humor, still be in. humor got you through the great depression, as it's, uh, <laughs> as it's popularly right. called. It just, and it just kept going. And then it sort of started as the numbers started to grow, which wasn't really my intention at first because they were all, you know, these, it's, these things start off pretty small. Um, I just found I enjoyed it and enjoyed writing it, so I just kept doing the writing, and then slowly it just kept building, and then now I get to do it full time. So it's it's been a, a, a fun little thing that kind of came out of nowhere. Did you um, did you get your inspiration at all? Had you sort of read, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the White Maggot, um, who ran a site for, um, well, for a couple of years, um, again, sort of football satire, had you sort of seen any of that material or, you know, was it just uh, uh, just sort of, you know, stuff that, that came from you? Uh, I, I think I'm asking I had... whether you'd had any inspiration from, I don't know, the Kudda Beans or, or others. Uh, I didn't have any. I didn't know the some – some of the sites that had been around, I hadn't read much at the time and, and have since had people point them out to me. I think the thing I'd always like, just comedy in general, I'd – there's a bit of a, a, a sports thing going back through, if you're, you know, Andrew Denton, Roy and HG, the Coulda Beans, yep. El McFeast, going back into the sort of the 80s, 90s and then before that I'd sort of always liked. But I actually was probably more, I've always been drawn to things like, you know, The Onion and that sort of satirical stuff from the States that I'd always liked. I was a huge at the time and, and still like him, but I liked Bill Simmons in, for ESPN. Um, yep. Even though he's very different, I sort of he was the first guy I saw once I started doing this a bit that had had built a media career from not going through the normal media channels, but actually just first writing a blog and just developing his own thing. And uh, so that's sort of what kind of um, inspired me a bit. So, how much uh, planning goes into your tweets? Like, is it most of it, is it spur of the moment stuff or do you have a few pre-written gags ready to go? Um, It's all spur of the moment. I've I've never, I think about twice I've pre-written something and come up and then what always happens is that, you know, the joke doesn't work because, you know, the equivalent of Richmond losing in the final seconds happens (laughs) or, you know, you kind of I was going to say, surely you've got sort of pre-prepared Richmond material for <laughs> the inevitable um, that we see each week. Yeah, it, well, you sort <laughs> of think that then. I, so I, I, I've just never really done the pre-stuff. It's always coming up on the on the on the time, and it's kind of weird because you're kind of coming up constantly. You know, I've been doing this for six years now, and you kind of think, you know how many tweets can you make up about one league? You know, we're all making jokes about the same thing. Um, so it is a strange kind of occupation we all have doing it. And, but they all are just spur of the moment. And then the thing with Twitter is some of them are good and some of them are just me venting and some of them are not very good. <laughs> so you just – but that's the nature of Twitter, you know. You, you do it and it's out there and then it's gone. So, yeah. Um, 
that's sort of the way I look at it. But sometimes you have something just strike you, and you, you and and the strangest thing is with humour. And you know, there's some people who don't find me funny at all, and they let me know. Um, but sometimes I think, well, that's a really good gag, and I tweet it, and no one likes it. And then <laughs> yeah, another time, it will be a throwaway line, and will go really well. So you never know what's actually going to work anyway. What what is your what's the best tweet you've ever put out in your opinion? Oh, I'm trying to remember. So I don't remember a lot of them. <laughs> this is my problem because I kind of do them and move on to the next. You know, you're always trying to come up with something else. But um, I'm trying to think, what's the my? I've had a few. I can't remember them. Well, one that I can remember about Melbourne that I liked was, I think when they sacked Neil, I did something about uh, Melbourne have sacked another coach. Uh, as always, remember to, it's a good sign, a good reminder to change a smoke alarm battery. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's that period where all. we would, you know, you remember what that was like. It was, you know, were we ever going to keep a coach, it seemed, for a while? Yep. Oh, we do know that. Um, are there any um, particular controversies that had you licking your lips? Like, I imagine the uh, Essendon drug scandal, um, you know, was a gold mine of material. So, um any other controversies out there that uh, you really Well, I think the, the Essendon one was great so much to the point where, and I hope that he doesn't mind me uh, telling this story, but I actually caught up with um, Xavier Campbell once for a coffee, who's the CEO of Essendon, and uh, he contacted me and he just contacted to say he was a fan. He didn't want anything or tell me off or anything, which I was surprised because when he contacted me and said, we should come up catch up for a coffee, I thought he was going to tell me off for just bagging Essendon for about four years straight. Um, <laughs> but he did say, you, you can pay for the coffee because I've given you so much free material, <laughs> which I thought was a good line. Um, the Richmond stuff's always good. Richmond are just, you know, they're, they're like the iron ore of kind of, you know, um, <laughs> footy jokes. They're kind of, you know, they're the rock that it's built on. Um, Blue chip investment. Yeah, that's right. You just... They're the, yeah, they're the blue chip stock. Um, I thought Frio were going to be good for jokes this year, but they've, they've been terrible because they started to play well. <laughs> I mean, Melbourne have had their fair share of craziness that have, you know, but that, that comes in from so much. So much, though, um, I interviewed Nathan Jones for Channel 7, and they didn't put this on uh, to air, but I w- um, he was really nice, but... When I went in, he 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 said, "God, you've given me a you've given us a hard time," and and he said, "I think I unfollowed you at one point." <laughs> and I laughed and said, "Oh, I think you followed me back." I didn't realise you had unfollowed me. And he goes, "No, I follow you again." <laughs> and he said, "Oh, you've been harsh on us, though. You've been really harsh." And I said, "Oh, yeah, but you know, it's only because I'm you know, it's only because I care." And he goes. Yeah, I know, mate. I felt that way too. <laughs> so he was really funny about it. And I said to him, Nathan, have you felt over the last 10 years like you've been trapped in the worst group assignment in the history of time? And he said, yes. <laughs> on on that note, have you ever sort of gotten in trouble for anything that you've tweeted, like where you've had sort of blowback from either a player or um, some other target of your uh, uh, of your tweets? You ever been told uh, to tone it down either from anyone? No, I've never had anything. I mean, 
I I assume there's got to be a few people who wouldn't like me. I mean, as in the people who I probably the only person I ever know who's so. I think if anyone does have a problem with me, they've just I've never bumped into them or they've never told me. But um, the only footballer I'm aware of to have blocked me is Alex Rance. Um, remember when Alex Rance punched or elbowed Jack Watt yep. in the back of the yep. head? Yeah. <laughs> we all remember that. Yes. And I tweeted something about, you know, gutless and weak. Because it's, you know, it's like shooting Bambi. You know, Jack Watt is a nice <laughs> guy. You, know, you don't elbow him in the back of the head while he's lying prone on the ground. I mean, you shouldn't elbow anyone like that, but especially Jack. And so I tweeted in defense of Jack and uh, and so Alex Rance blocked me. So, you know. No big loss not being able to see Alex Rance's tweets. You'd be surprised <laughs> yeah. to learn. I've seen some of his material on the footy show and I've got to, got to agree with you on that front. He's just <laughs> oh, strange, a strange cat, isn't he? Uh, I wondered who watched the footy show. It's you. Yeah. You're the audience. <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> who am I doing this show with? So, Titus, like, how often do you get people who blatantly miss uh, the satire of your posts or articles? Um, you know, like those people who stumble upon and then rage share an onion story. Uh, do you ever get uh, gullible people, um, you know, berating you, believing what you've written is true? Yeah, I, I get a lot. Um, it's one of my great joys to get people not up to, you know, not understand it. But my... Um, uh, they fall into two categories. So I either get people who think it's real and, and get angry with me or, or correct me and point <laughs> out that I'm an idiot or something. So I did one when uh, this, was a, this was a soccer one, but when Australia qualified to go to Brazil World Cup, I said, oh, finally my Spanish lessons pay off. <laughs> and all these people corrected me that they speak uh-huh. Portuguese there, which is, of course, the, the whole point of it. You know, the whole point was I was meant to be an idiot. But the worst thing is I get all these people who just go, you're an idiot, you know, you're an ignorant bastard and all that. So I got all that. But the worst is the people who are fans and who contact me, like they message me, you know, so away from the public eye, and they'll say, oh, look, Titus, I saw your tweet saying you said Spanish, it's actually Portuguese there. <laughs> and they'll be doing it in a nice way, not in a you're an idiot way. And then I feel better. Then I do feel a bit bad. <laughs> so do you read through all the responses and all the private messages and the rest of it, do you? I would have uh, thought there'd I, be too much to get through it all. I read I read all the DMs. Like if someone DMs me, I'll read it or emails me. I'll always read those. Um I pretty much can read most stuff. That, on Twitter, I can read most stuff. On Facebook, it's got to the point where, you know, on a few posts, not all, but on a few, I'll have, I'll have, I get like 200 to 600 comments. Wow. Um, and so sometimes I'll flick through them and other times you just don't get time or depends what mood I'm in or how much work I've got to do. But, yeah, so sometimes I will and, you know, read it and stuff. But, you know, it's sort of... I, mainly when people contact me directly, you know, I, I don't sort of go looking for comments because the minute you do that, you find someone saying, I'm the least funny person they've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which might be true, but, you know, you don't want to read that. <laughs> no. <laughs> Definitely not. So, um, you know, besides um, AFL, you know, what other sports are, are you do you follow? Um and have you chosen similar teams with the same luck as the D's? Because, um, you know, I'm picking you as a Bangladeshi cricket fan or possibly <laughs> a pre-2000 oh. 
pre-2004 end of the curse of the Bambino Red Sox fan. Yeah, no, I've I've kind of balanced my sports portfolio with a variety of blue chips and (laughs) constant failures. So I follow all the American sports, um, but most of them I've followed like through like traveling to the places or seeing them first, various ones. So I'm a I'm a 49ers fan back to the 80s. Um, when they were successful. <laughs> when they were very successful. And that was complete yeah. luck because I was too young to really know what I was doing. They were just the first team I ever saw. Um, they're a bit like Hawthorne where we say, oh, yeah, but we had a tough few years in the middle. Although, actually, they've been useless ever since the 90s. Um, I go for the Rangers and the Yankees in the hockey and the basketball and the baseball um, because that was the first city I went to over there and, and went to those sort of games. And so the Yankees couldn't be more different than Melbourne, so they kind of balance out my, <laughs> um, you know, the awfulness. And then I also go for the Knicks because of that. Um, I'm, I'm not into basketball as much, and they're basically Melbourne in NBA form, really. So <laughs> it kind of... It hasn't all worked out perfectly. And then I go for, like, you know, the storm and the victory in, in Melbourne. And so, you know, it's kind of sad to me that in my following the A-League, I've had more premierships or grand finals in the last, you know, 10-plus years than in my entire life of following the Demons. It's not lost on me. But it's it's not the same feeling um, if, no, know, if we get No, but this. the first time this, the, I was at, I've been at the grand finals that Victory have won... And it's a great feeling. Like, I remember really enjoying it. But it wasn't, you know, you, you don't have that, um, you don't have that, what is it, you know, the, you know, I, I wasn't crying, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, which, which I would be if Melbourne won. Like, <laughs> yes. I, I mean, I, you know, I still watch the replay of us beating Hawthorne from last year, like it's the grand final. So, you know. I say that to yeah. everyone I speak to. That was, for me, that was a final for me. <laughs> I know that was like our. Group. I mean, can you, can you imagine what it would be like? I mean, that's the thing. I all talking to Melbourne supporters. I say, can you imagine? And we all go, nah, I can't actually imagine. I, I have a friend who's a Bulldogs supporter. You know, as 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 I am a Melbourne supporter, he's a Bulldog supporter, and I'm so jealous of him because I he's what he went through last year is exactly what I hope to one day go through. Yeah. Well, I know Danny McGinlay quite well and um, the Bulldogs banner rider and um, he's been like, he, he was telling me all about it because he was um, he was just really, you know, pumped about it and I sort of had him on the podcast a few times before the, 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 the weeks leading up to the grand final where he just couldn't believe it. So I've sort of seen someone up close go through it. Actually, that was one time I did a tweet that got people upset because Danny McGinley, I'd seen him the day before the grand final, and he said to me, I said, how are you feeling? And he said, oh, you know, I'm pretty – if we don't win, I'll probably be jumping off a bridge. You know, just just that was his throwaway comment. Oh, you and, can't say uh, that these days. Yeah, well, he, you know, he just said that. So I then tweeted on the night of the grand final, great win by the Bulldogs. Um, only negative is Danny McGinley won't throw himself off a bridge. <laughs> And he knew, and I included him in the tweet, and he knew exactly what it meant, laugh. But I got about 20 people saying, you, yep. you, you know, thinking I'd just, thinking I didn't, they didn't know the backstory. So they all thought I'd just wanted Danny McGinley to throw himself off the bridge if Grand Final had been lost. 
So I now got he got in, he was he got in trouble, didn't he, this week for for tweeting something? It was on one of the yeah, film shows. I can't remember he, what it was now. He had a um he had a he had a banner suggestion, a fake banner that he didn't do that said something about um said something about lick those pussies or something for the July. <laughs> That's right. Yep. And uh, footy, it was hilarious because Caroline Wilson and uh, Hutchie on Footy Classified. Um, Caro was saying how it was terrible, but they had Hutchie setting it up. And so there's Craig Hutchinson acting like he's all offended by it. Like <laughs> still, yes. You know, he's worked in footy all his life as a footy journalist and he's acting you know, like this has really upset him. Yep, yep, I saw that. Um, <laughs> now, before we get on, we've spoken a little bit about your Melbourne uh, connection and your Melbourne roots. We'll get on to that in a moment, but... I just wanted to ask, you've got your blog, uh, you're in the Herald Sun these days, you're on radio, um, the, the podcast, social media, you're, you're all over the place. Um, I presume now it's a full-time gig for you or do you have a separate day job? Um, what's, uh, where are you sort of at with that and what's, what's next for, for Titus? Uh, well, it's a full-time gig now. I, I managed to go full-time, so I... I, I write for my own site and I've got now supporters who, you know, support me sort of in a, just a, like a, a model where they just, it's not, I don't, didn't want to have a paywall. And when I was with the Herald Sun, often it would go part behind a paywall. So I've put yeah. it all back on my site and said, look, if you guys pay me an amount, I'll keep it beyond the paywall. So I have sort of, you can read it all for free, but people, a lot of people actually will support me and donate. So that oh, keeps, that keeps, yep. That kind of helps. And then um, I also do Nova Breakfast every Monday with Sam Pang and Chrissy and Jonathan Brown, um, which has been good. I've been doing some stuff for Channel 7 of TV, some interviewing players, which has been which has been good. That's been interesting. TV is a different thing. Um, and then I've just written a book, um, which, which Penguin Random House will be publishing, which will come out in time for... Christmas, which is a history of Australian sport, but in the, I guess, the tightest style. So that's sort of what I'm up to at the moment. And then I've done a bunch of live gigs. I've started doing lots of live shows and we'll be announcing a tour later in the year. We'll be doing Perth, Adelaide, Sydney, few in Melbourne and probably Hobart and Canberra as well. So I've done quite a few live sort of stand-up gigs um, recently i did comedy store a couple of weeks ago in sydney and i've done down here and then i did a couple of live gigs with dane swan the other day uh, like, like the other month yeah, uh, me oh, him. i was going to ask you about that how did that come about well i got asked um i got asked someone was putting together a thing with dane swan being interviewed and they were thinking of they had someone in mind to interview him and then said do you want to interview him it might be a bit more interesting if it's not a just a traditional football journalist yeah um, so I said, oh, yeah, I'll do that. And they said, you can ask him anything. He doesn't care. Um, you can talk about the drugs. You can talk about Federation Square, you, you know, when he got in that brawl. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we, so I said, okay, we'll do that. And then we did it. And um, I said after, so it was kind of funny because I, I didn't meet him until the night. So, and he actually was a really nice guy, like, you know, 
in my interactions with him and was quite on stage incredibly funny like I was surprised how funny he was like completely not how he I mean, he sort of comes across like that a bit in the media but actually backstage we were chatting he had some really interesting views on footy and everything that were you know about how the games run and all this sort of stuff but the funniest bit of the night is he I said to him they bought a big we we're doing it at this club and they bought it backstage to our dressing room they bought a big silver bucket, like a huge bucket that fitted 30 Carlton drafts with ice in it as well. Um, and so I said to him, you know, it'd be funny because I went out and did 15 minutes of stand up before introducing him. I said, oh, you know, it'd be funny if you come out carrying that, like that's yours to drink. And so he did and it got a big laugh, but then he proceeded to drink the prop. <laughs> so he drank like six beers to my one. He could drink, so it was an interesting night, me just making sure he was remembering what to talk about, <laughs> keeping him going as I sat there looking very soft and then ended up having some beers with him afterwards, which when I started this, I didn't kind of think I'd be having a beer one night with Dane Swan. It's sort of like, you know, tick, it's sort of one of those things you must do in Melbourne, I guess. <laughs> very surreal. <laughs> so so now to the important stuff. Um you know, which black cat um, did you stab with a broken mirror whilst walking under a ladder to become a D supporter? <laughs> yeah, no, I um. Well, the worst thing for me is I didn't inherit it from a fat from family you or didn't. anything. Wow! <gasps> I Don't tell me you life. chose it. <laughs> I chose this life, um, and uh, so I grew up in a house where my family were a. a, a my family, extended family, not immediate, were Collingwood supporters. So uh, I dodged a bullet there. And <laughs> we grew up barracking more for the VFA uh, because of family connections and a few things and uh, have some people involved in that. So I was actually a Williamstown supporter growing up at the very early days and was kind of almost – they. It was a weird little group of people, not weird group of people, but a group of people that kind of acted like the VFA was still the equal competitor to the VFL, if you know what I mean. <laughs> it was, they really almost believed that. So we kind of were like not into it that much. And then I remember going to, when I was quite young, going to the first game at the MCG and it was a, just happened to be a Melbourne game and going, wow, like, this is a bit bigger than a VFA game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of remembering being, as a kid, surprised at how many people there were and, you know, no one belted each other and things like that, <laughs> and, you know. So it was Melbourne. So I just started barracking for them because I thought they would be, because they won that one first game, I thought they'd be amazing. And then by coincidence, while I was, I was still quite young, I mentioned to a few people that I liked Melbourne and the guy that lived behind our house, or, you know, in the house behind our house. He didn't just <laughs> randomly live behind our house. It's sort of a creepy kind of troll-like person. No, it was a guy who lived behind us. He um, was a Melbourne supporter and was involved in one of the supporters club. Like, he was mad, went every week. Um, and so did his son. So he said, well, you're welcome to come with me to any game you ever want. And so we did. And they were the sort to drive to you know, Geelong and Waverley and, you know, wherever. Not a lot of interstate. They did sometimes. But so I just. So what, went, what years are we talking about? This is like yeah. back in the late 80s, early 90s. Gotcha. Yep. So we're going so to. Right you know, and then, you know, coincided with some of the players like, you know, I remember 
I can remember being captivated when Djakovic exploded, yeah. you know, for those brief moments, you know, being, and, you know, it was Rodney Grinter and all these guys, like, yeah, you know, Melbourne had some okay players for a while there, you know, it was not a, it wasn't all bad, you know, we used to kid ourselves we might be going somewhere. Oh, and um, I would give I, anything and, for that now. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was a, you know. And I, so I literally for about 10 years, all through my teens, went to every Melbourne Victorian game, um, no matter what. I was like obsessed. And then that dropped off a bit, just still went obsessed and went a lot. But because of work and a few things, I just you know, couldn't go every single game like that. But I still went a lot through that. And then I ended up re- living in um, Richmond in my 20s and I backed for the – and I was, of course, an MCC member, being a Melm supporter. <laughs> and so I just went to games all the time then as well. So, yeah, it was sort of – that's how I – I just loved it from the moment. And, you know, it just – it just it still amazes me how upset I get at, like, things like the weekend – where we really should know better, but, you know, it's, it still gets to me. I still care. And you sometimes wonder why you do. Well, we'll have a chance to moan and groan about that in uh, in a moment. Um, yeah. We spoke earlier about uh, Mark Neal and Dean Bailey. Um, which rebuild has been your favourite? <laughs> well, easily the Neal one. I mean, bring, you know, everything from the... Naming the Jacks, the captains, and just watching someone have a mental breakdown in real time <laughs> was kind of amazing, you know. Like, if you didn't barrack for us, if you didn't care, if it was just you were watching it, you know, from afar, it, it was just really quite amazing. And it kind of felt like we kind of all knew early that it was going that way, too. I felt like the fans made their mind up a lot quicker. and they were just so badly run that club for so long, weren't they? That was just, it was, it wasn't, I mean, I kind of blame Neil a bit, but I kind of also look at, I mean, um, Cameron Schwab is Mm. kind of my number one, you know, but you know, of of all the people, like sometimes when I'm tweeting, I think about certain people and I think, gee, I've been a bit harsh on them for a while. You know, I I better stop or it's going to seem like, you know, I've got a vendetta against them or something. And, you know, so if I'm making quite a few Travis Cloak jokes or something, that might be a case. But Cameron Schwab is one I'll never forgive and always take the cheap shot. You're not the Lone Ranger there. He's oh, not I know. Every true Melbourne supporter that knows what's going on, I think, feels pretty much the same as me there. I don't think I, you know. But uh, the, sh- it- the shame of that is that, if you if you'd ever spoken to Cameron, his heart was absolutely in the right place, and he was a very passionate, and still is a very passionate Melbourne man. It just went, uh, um, it all it was all upside down, unfortunately. But it, it wasn't through um, through ill will. No, I didn't. I never felt like that. But it was just, you know, it was. I mean, just you know, the stories you could go on forever about them, but the way they ran it, the way they spoke, the things they focused on. I mean. You know, the, I mean, it, it's almost a joke how, I mean, what is it with Melbourne, you know, administrations and their love of a logo change? Yeah, the logo, and, the, the blazers that they had made the players wear. Yeah, the blazers were the, Sergio Paradise, who I do the podcast with, 
and is a Mad Demon supporter. He brings up the Blazer every <laughs> like day we talk, and I have to tell him like, you know, we, you need to tone down the Blazer anger, but that's what it's like. But it's you know, They're probably was, a collector's item on eBay. <laughs> yeah, I must for thousands. <laughs> Remember the stars on the back of the jumper? Yes. And they, the idea was they represented <laughs> the all our premierships and they were going to connect the circle eventually. Do you remember that? <laughs> I didn't know yep. that they were going to connect the circle, but... That was yes, the, it was yeah, well, a missing star. <laughs> that was the thing, I had a missing star, and the idea was that's where our next premiership would represent our next premiership. And, you know, it didn't even last long enough for us to ever fill it. But I could just... This is... I could just imagine... Knowing, because I've worked in a lot of corporations in previous life and stuff, and I, you know, and everyone knows what work is like. Can you imagine how many hours they debated those stars? <laughs> yeah. You know, and then they wonder why they weren't developing players, and you know, keep, you know, because they were all sitting around as <laughs> like a year ten graphic designs course, you know. <laughs> Uh, there was all that focus on the past as well, and nobody was paying any attention to the present or the future. Sort yeah, of um, I mean, reliving the fifties and sixties. Yeah, and I mean, and a lot of demons fans weren't there for that. You know, it means nothing to you that we won in. You know, that we were dominant in the fifties. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's sort of it's. Yeah, we all know it, that doesn't mean anything. I mean. You know, it's like when Collingwood fans now pull out. I mean, they've had more recent ones, but or Carlton fans, sorry, they say to me, well, we've won more premierships than anyone else. And you're like, seriously, that's what you're going to bring up after, you know, the way you've been? Yeah, it's pretty sad. So, um, you know, as, you know, being a satirist, um, do you think it's easier for you being a D's fan um, than, say, being, you know, a Hawks fan. And what I mean by that is, is does the tragedy of being a D's fan, uh, you know, make you so bitter and jaded um, that it enables you to find the humour in the dark places where, say, if you followed Hawthorne and you've enjoyed the armchair ride to success, um, that that um, acerbity uh, might not have blossomed um, as it has? Yeah, I kind of think... Uh, I, I'm sure it probably has. I mean, I think... You know, you, you can't not have a dark... I mean, any of us that have got through the last, you know, 10 years have had to develop a pretty good ability to find the gallows humour in it, um, which is why I often get along with Richmond supporters because they're <laughs> yeah. in the exact same boat, you know. Um, but I've always been kind of careful to try and be an equal opportunity offender across all the clubs, um, including my own. Um, because I kind of don't want to favour Melbourne either, and I do worry if we suddenly become good. It'll be a good problem to have, but, um, you know, will that change things? But, you know, you're kind of just poking fun at the ridiculousness of footy, so it's kind of a pretty rich vein to to mine. You know, I'm never... I keep thinking, will, will I ever be short of jokes? And then, you know, the AFL announces they're going to have a wild card weekend yes. or something. There. You know... They seriously give me so much, so I don't need to wait very long. So, But it does help. But the funny thing I find about just about being a Melm supporter is whenever I make a joke about any club, they say I, I always get like a small percentage of people going, pretty rich coming from a Melbourne supporter because that's all they can really say, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. But the best thing I get is whenever I make a joke, I get people who are often long-time fans and they'll say, Titus, I really like your stuff and usually think you're very funny, but that tweet you did was way out of line. And I always look, and it's always about their club without fail. 
So, Naturally. You know, joke will be a Carlton fan. Yeah, they were always... So I liked the... every joke except when you bagged my team. <laughs> yeah, they were always the uh, the one they've got in there, you know, wearing their footy jumper in the avatar. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so that's what I always get. I get people... Is, so that's when I get people upset with me more when it's about their team. But, look, all our teams aren't perfect, you know. The um, you talked about the AFL giving you endless material, you know, to change the change the punching rules um, midweek this week. I read something yes. from the head of the umpires, Peter Schwab, um, also earlier this week about players standing the mark. Let me just read this quote to you because it yeah. sounds like it's something from a Monty Python skit. <laughs> um, there's a couple of things involved. One was in that part of the ground, which was the last third of the ground. The actual bloke on the mark doesn't have to go east-west. He can go off on a line tangent because of the way you line them up for goal. It's two-thirds east-west when you were defending, and when you come into your attacking third and you're lined up with the middle of the goal, you can go on that arc. (laughs) What does that mean? What? (laughs) See, it's clear as as day to me. players are north-south oriented. And they struggle to go two thirds east west in the defensive third. What are you going to do then? I didn't bring a compass or a protractor to this conversation. (laughs) That's when someone just starts talking and they haven't really figured out what they're going to say. And (laughs) so it's just emerging as as you listen. I mean, but this is my favourite one. And that fits. I hadn't heard that one. That's terrific. That's great. My favourite one in recent years was when, remember, they brought in the shot clock. And then yep. Mason, I think it was Mason Wood in a game, just ran the clock down by holding the ball because it was yep. right up against four-quarter time. And they said, and so everyone said, well, that's not in the spirit of the game. But you're like, well, but that's the rules. Like he's got to, he's got whatever it is, 29 seconds or whatever to kick the ball. He doesn't have to kick the ball until the end. And so the AFL brought in a rule. Instead of getting rid of the stupid clock, shot clock that no one ever wanted or asked for, and we've you know, had 150 years of footy without it. They said, we're going to keep the shot clock and you've got 30 seconds to kick the ball, but you can be penalised if you don't look like like intent enough that you're going to kick the ball in 30 seconds. Yep. So basically it becomes, an you know, judging someone on their acting ability. Like you're allowed to take the full 30, but you have to spend that whole 30 seconds not just standing there doing nothing, you have to put on an act like you're going to kick the ball, but you still don't have to kick it any quicker. It's, so that was their solution, and it's still the law of the land in the AFL. And this is, I mean, it's just bizarre. It, that wouldn't, I mean, if you'd, you do wonder what they're smoking, you know. That's what I often ask them when I talk to these people. It's very similar to the deliberate out-of-bounds rule that uh, they're starting to penalise players for a bad kick. You know, that sprays off the side of the boot. So, uh, you know, where does it end? Well, it's also about intent now, isn't it? Yeah, well, how much of the rules now are about intent? It's just madness, you know, like kind of, it's that, you know, these umpires need to sort of be psychologists or, you know, psychic. So, yeah, it is. It's crazy. But they never mind a tinker and then they never mind another tinker to fix the earlier tinker. So (laughs) it's a jobs program, basically. The um, it's interesting, the umpires have lodged or did lodge this week um, with the AFL an OHNS claim about bouncing the ball. Um, yeah. You know, we've had 100, you know, what, 120 years 
where umpires used to bounce it all day, not just in the centre centre bounce after a goal, and yet now they can't do it, you know, nine times a game. Um, it's uh, dangerous that? to is hazardous it, to their health. So. What, bad for their back or something? What? Yep. Wow. Yeah, bad that's what back, they say. So. <laughs> the guy is just, there's so much nonsense around them. It's no wonder you've got a, a wealth of material to work with, I guess. Well, between the AFL itself and then the footy media more generally, um, you know, I, I, I'm never, I'm never short. I rarely look at it and go, "Oh, there's nothing to make fun of this week." Yep. <laughs> so, a question, yes. um, a question that many um, on this forum have asked, because your um, material does get posted up on Demon Land, people sharing. Uh, tweets or some of the pieces off your website um, and then inevitably people respond saying Titus is a Demons fan and everyone wants to know, do you post on Demonland? And if you don't <laughs> post on Demonland, do you read Demonland? Uh, I, don't, uh, I don't post on it. Um, I don't post on Bigfooty either or any of the sort of forums. And that was more just – it's more just um, out of the fact that I – through Twitter mainly. You've um, got your other outlets already. Well, it's just so all-consuming. That and Facebook and then the blog um, is was all-consuming. The t- times I ever dip into footy forums um, is sometimes when someone posts one of my things that comes, you know, you can see where traffic comes from and so yeah. suddenly you'll see you're getting a bunch from AFL Reddit or it will say yep. Demon Land or Hawks Headquarters or something. And so every now and then I'll pop in and just see what people are saying, um, you know, because you can sort of tell if they're going well or not. And sometimes I laugh because <laughs> some, sometimes some people come up with jokes about it. They add something like, and I think, oh, that's funnier than what I came up with. I should have, I should, I'd pinch that if I, if, if I didn't think I'd get caught. Um, and then other times you go on, but then sometimes I try and avoid it because you go on a sound. I can't remember on Demonland, but more on every now and then when I've wandered onto Big Footy. Um, to check something or look at something of why the traffic's coming. You know, you get all these people going, this guy's the least funny guy or he's jumped the shark or something. So you kind of, you know, you kind of laugh but move on. So I don't I don't trawl the, the forums for material or a lot, but um, every now and then I'll go on and it's kind of funny because, I mean, Demon, really when I have read Demon Land, it's just like, you know, the voices in my head playing out, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fair call. So we might, we might move on to uh, discussing um, the game. We haven't uh, discussed the games uh, this last game. Oh, what? Where do we even start? <laughs> Great binding. Well, we could, start with, uh, we could start with, probably unfairly, but Thomas Bug kicking four goals instead of four behinds. No, four, that you, would have you, made up the difference, and we could have won by 14 points instead of them <laughs> winning by 14 points, I guess. But that's probably a bit unfair because I guess he at least got into a position where he was, um, you know, he had four scoring shots, which was uh, better than most of his colleagues for the yeah, day, well, I the, guess. There were some players that uh, didn't get those, uh, take those marks nope. or get those opportunities to kick a goal. So um, I, I don't think you can lay it squarely on someone's back no. kicking. That's, uh, were, were you at the game, the game, Titus, on the weekend? I was at the game. I was sitting up in the fourth level in the MCC um, 
watching. It was very quiet up there, actually. It wasn't that busy. But um, I I kind of thought in the first quarter it looked a lot like, you know, not having a Ruckman doesn't help. Um, and Goldstein, I thought, was helping them out a lot. I think with Melbourne this year, I, I don't know, you know, I don't pretend to be a tactical genius. You know, I don't, you know, I, I'm very average on footy tactics. But, you know, Melbourne seemed to do that press-up thing, you know, to put the pressure on so much. And it's like, you know, if there's an overlap, instead of going with the player closer to the uh, goal, they'll they'll always push up and it enables teams to just chip over the top or score quickly over the top of us. And against Adelaide, they just couldn't deal with the press. But it seems to either go really well or really badly. And North seemed to just have that ability to just get it over the top and, and beat that press every time we did it. You know, it's very aggressive what Goodwin's trying to do, even lining up across the back line. And, and yeah. I can kind of see what he's doing, you know, but it just, against a team that doesn't get rattled as much, I think it just doesn't always work. Yeah, I think you're right what you said about Goldstein too. Um, I mean, Rob, we won the clearances again as we have the past few weeks um, with Peterson and Watts, but I think their clearances were better than ours yeah. and the yeah, times that Goldstein was able to get it to their on-ballers, they took it away and had clear and effective possession, whereas probably our clearances weren't as damaging as as uh, as North were. Well, I think also that first quarter was when I noticed it, and then I think we did manage to negate him a bit and adjust, and that's when we started to get back in that game. But that first quarter, you know, if you'd just kept that first quarter, you know, what did they kick? Six goals was it in the yeah, first six, quarter? Six, seven, uh, seven. two something. Yes. If you kept that to four, it would have been a different game. You know what I mean? It was, I you think... know... But- one of the moves that really cost us early on was uh, putting uh, Tom McDonald in the forward line. Yeah, uh, great. It worked last week against uh, Adelaide for a, you know for a little bit, but um, yeah, I think uh, it wasn't. I the was right surprised move. that Goodwin started that way. To be honest, I thought it. <coughs> excuse me, I was yeah annoyed, um, annoyed when I saw that. I didn't like it, and I think that it cost us early. I think the defence would have been stronger with. Uh, T-Mac back there rather than playing up forward. It's kind of a plan B move rather than plan A. And, um, you know, it's something you do when things aren't working, maybe uh, change some things up. And it's it's not something you you start at. But, um, yeah, I think that cost us early on. I I don't like Hunt being up forward either, to be honest. Um, It worked worked well when he was switched at halftime. Yeah. uh, against the Hawks, but uh, I mean Hunt's strength is is his run, and there's nowhere left to run if he's <laughs> yeah. playing up forward. Um, so I'd yeah I'd much prefer to see him at half back, um, and just leave him there or or, or at the wing, um, uh, but not at uh, not at half forward. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think mean, that's why you sort of got him in the side. So I, I just feel at the moment I actually felt weirdly positive about the Demons at the moment, even with the loss on the weekend, because I think, you know, you've got Gorn out, you've got Spencer out, so you've got no ruck. Yep. You've got Hogan out, you know, which is a, a huge loss. So you've got, you know, the the makings of a bunch of really, you know, you've got Brayshaw, you know, who knows if he'll ever be back, unfortunately, but out. So, but when you look at it, it's the second youngest team roughly on average each week. Yeah. And, 
our problem's gone from not being able to play AFL level to having bad quarters that are, you know, we could have, you could argue we could have almost won every single game this year. Yep. I mean, when's I've the last said, time yeah. you've been able to say that about a Melbourne side? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like we've, it's we started slowly in almost every game um, other than probably the Adelaide game. Yeah. And even that we overran them, you know, like in the, so I kind of feel positive, like the problems that Goodwin's got to solve and the team's got to solve in who we get in the next few years and natural progression of the players we've got. You know, our best, if we could... I mean, this is the thing I always think watching AFL that if compared to other sports, you know, I went to a Storm game recently. It goes for, you know, 80 minutes with 10 minutes in the middle. So players' concentration spans, they don't... You know, footy's like a war. You've got to concentrate... I mean, I hate those comparisons between the two, but it's a war of attrition, you know. It's a long thing. And you've got to be able to concentrate for, you know a long period of time. And it's like, I think there's not a club in the AFL at the moment that's managing to concentrate for four, for four mm. quarters, which is yep. why you're seeing the swings and the incon- inconsistency. We've sort of lost the Geelong and the Hawthorns that could do that consistently. And it's almost like yep. our team just hasn't learned to do that yet. Well, as you said, they're young and inexperienced and that comes with games and maturity, doesn't it? The ability to stay focused for longer and... Um, not have those drops um, in intensity and pressure that we're that we're seeing. Yeah, they're like taking your kids to the restaurant, you know, like they're not quite there yet. <laughs> yeah, fair call, very fair call. Um, I, one positive though, there are there are lots of positives. It's not all doom and gloom, as you say, but one thing we know for sure is it doesn't matter how far down we get, we can always get back into the contest. We've sort of seen it almost. Um, almost every week we were down against St Kilda in round one. As you said, we were down against uh, Adelaide by 28 points and had a 69-point turnaround. And what we were down by, what was the largest, highest amount against North? Four or five goals. Um, so we're never out of it. And then um, Geelong, if, if we kick straight against Geelong, yes. you know, that's, yeah. that's yep. one we should have won. I mean, Richmond, we were 20 points up at three-quarter time. Yeah. Uh, Probably should have beaten Frio. So, yeah, yeah look, a... the days of, you know, being five goals down and that turning into a 15 or 20 goal loss are gone. And the players have obviously got a certain level of self-belief that um, it doesn't matter if they're five or six goals down. They um, have the faith to be able to pick it back. Um, but uh, it'll be it'll be a lot better not to, not to go into deficit at the start, wouldn't it? And... Um, not have to play catch-up footy all the time, which is what we seem to be doing at the moment. Oh, we wouldn't know ourselves. Can you can you imagine if we became a confident <laughs> football team? Yeah. <laughs> I just. I uh, suppose the frust. Sorry, Andy, you were going to say. No, I was just going to uh, uh, read out our our telephone numbers. I've uh, been remiss uh, tonight. Uh, if you do want to give us a call, zero three nine zero one six three triple six, or you can Skype us on Demonland thirty one. Go ahead. Um, I thought it was one of those games where just the ball didn't bounce our way a little bit too. We spoke earlier that we the umpires were against us um, and just the little things here and there just didn't sort of seem to go our way. Um, but there were a few 
good things. Um, Mitch Hannon's form, um, probably the best game that he's played, kicked three goals, took some nice marks and was uh, was lively across uh, half forward. Um, yeah, early on I was actually thinking um, at one point, uh, I'm not sure what he did, but I thought, all right, Mitch, it's time for you to go back to the twos. Um, and then he really proved me wrong for the rest of the game and was probably one of our better players and earned himself a nomination in the AFL Team of the Week. Yeah, yeah, which is a not a bad uh, not a bad result in uh, in what your third or fourth game. So um, uh, Sam Frost's form continues, I guess, a little bit, doesn't it? He makes mistakes, but he's going pretty well, Frosty, isn't he? Well, I'll tell you who else is going really well is um, is Michael Hibbert, possibly the uh, best pickup um, we've had in a couple of years in the off season. Uh, yeah, yeah he hasn't put a foot wrong, has he? Yeah, he's got. Uh, he's been the he has been the pickup of the. Uh, he's sort of the. It sort of cancels out. Um, it sort of cancels out our Jake Milksham issues. So, <laughs> yeah. you know. Fifty percent from Essendon's not bad. <laughs> yeah. I got a feeling we're going to see uh, the milkshake back this week. Probably, um, yeah, will probably replace Christian Salem, won't he? I think he had yeah. a couple of decent, uh, couple of decent games in the in the twos. But you look at you know look at we're replacing Salem's yeah kicking skills with Jake Milksham. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> It's Say like no going, more. It's like going from a Ferrari to a broken down Corolla. <laughs> that it is. Um, yeah. Um, in terms of uh, other changes uh, come this week, um, there's a number of boys at Casey that uh, you would probably be thinking, uh, when are they going to get uh, their chance? Uh, considering we've had, you know, a lot of injury suspensions. Um, you know, you got Neil Bullen. You got Stretch has been. Uh, he's been brought into the team a few times to be the holdover player. Um, he must be thinking, how's he going to get a game? Yeah, James Harms would Harms, probably yep. be the other one. And I think I think Ben Kennedy had a decent game on the weekend. So he might be in that mix too because one player who's copped a lot of grief on Demon Land this week, and rightly so because he had a bit of a stinker on the weekend, was uh, Dean Kent. Um, and he just uh, yeah, he's he's off the boil at the moment. That's for sure. Another player. Yeah, it's hard to know who you put in though. That's the thing. Like they tried uh, Kennedy Harris for a while, and that didn't work. Yeah, did that? Nope. That was a failure. Um, another player who I think would be under the pump as well is uh, Dom Tyson. Um, I think his form this year has uh, been well below par and of what's expected of him and possibly needs to go back to the twos. Yeah, Tyson's an interesting one. Um, there was a comment on Demon Land today, I think by Pro D, which I agree with, which is Tyson hasn't really improved since uh, since his debut year, has he? Which I think was 2014. Um, he just, you know, he's played, um, I think he's played 80-odd games now and he's just... He hasn't gotten better. We sort of see some good form from him, but it's not consistent. He doesn't really put four quarters together. He's turning the ball over a lot. Um, And one thing he's not doing, which he did do in his first year, is kick goals. I think he's only kicked one for the year. So, um, 
Yeah, we need more from Tyson. There's no doubt about that. Whether he gets dropped, I'm not sure. Um, uh, we miss Angus uh, Brayshaw, don't we? It's uh, um, the news today, if you haven't caught up, or uh, the news this week, um, Brayshaw will be on the sidelines indefinitely, taking a rest, um, give his noggin a rest. So, um, yeah, real shame for uh, a young kid who's looked in his first year like he was uh, going to be a a superstar, I thought. I agree. I I can't see how he can possibly come back, and I say that as a big fan of his, and I hope he can. Like, I'd love to be proven wrong. But... That, the recent concussion he got, did you you guys see the footage of that playing for Casey? It, it didn't look like much, did it? It wasn't even a full blow to the head, you know. Mm. Like, it, there's obviously deeper issues there. I mean, you'd be surprised to learn that I'm the farthest thing away from a brain surgeon. But um, <laughs> it, it just seemed uh, like a, a very much an innocuous thing. And, you know, it's starting to get scary. Like, as much as the selfish part of me would love him to come back and risk it because he's so talented and we need him. The other part of me looks at it and goes, gee, you know, would you, how, you know, what, when when's one going to happen and he doesn't wake up or he has the long-term issues? I mean, it's a it's a real issue. It's a real problem that the club has. Yeah, it's hard to, I mean, we're obviously we're not, as you said, we're not neurologists um, and we don't, uh, we don't have his medical records. So it's a bit hard to assess, but I just wonder, it seems we're getting this message that the club isn't worried about his health sort of long term and that um, his parents, um, who are obviously, you know, in on the news, are also not concerned. And there was sort of a suggestion I've seen a couple of times, I don't know whether it's true or not, that the main reason he's sitting out is because um, it's his confidence um, he just can't attack the ball in the way that he's meant to um, in the, the few knocks that he's had of, um, of shaking him up and he just, um, yeah, that it might, it might be a mental thing rather than a physical thing at the moment. So um, I, find I, guess... that hard to believe. I find that hard to believe a bit though when he's had five concussions or whatever it is. In the, you know what I mean? Like you don't have to be a doctor to know that can't be great. No, but I, I don't know whether it's five concussions because there's been a, a, a number of head knocks, however many it is, but I don't know whether all of them have necessarily been concussions. I think there's like a distinction yeah. there. Um, the only comparison I can Then again, of... I'm a failed art student, so, you know, um, <laughs> I should put my qualifications out there on the line so everyone knows. The only, the only comparison I can think of in sport, uh, I'm sure there's some in boxing, but um, that's got a good story to it is Sidney Crosby for the Pittsburgh Penguins, who had, has had a heap of issues with concussion and actually missed long periods of time um, not playing. You know, he's the best player in the NHL, but um, but has managed to get back after long layoffs um, that has sort of seen him get right. And it, that just makes you wonder, you know, like should they have probably given him more enforced leave earlier or something? You know, I don't yep. know if that's true, but, you know, there are there are cases where if, if you know, I hope it is true that he can come back and will be. It's not a long-term problem. Yeah, uh, fingers and toes crossed on that one. Um, Sam Wiedemann is struggling at the moment. He hasn't had a great year, but on the weekend he couldn't even do 
the one job that we needed him to do, which is bring the ball to ground because he actually couldn't get near the ball in the air. Um, he seemed to be just metres away from it. I think part of that's a just a size issue that he's too easily knocked out of the contest, particularly up against the bigger-bodied uh, North defenders. But... Um, it doesn't look like they can uh, they can replace him at the moment. Who would you bring in um, if Sam was to go back to the twos, which is what some people are saying he should do? Well, we don't really have the cattle at the moment uh, or the luxury to do that because no. uh, Tim Smith, who would probably be the next bigger body guy, is not back yet or he's on the cusp of returning. Um, there's no one else that can come in for him. I mean, yes, he's not there. Um, you know, we need... Um, you know, uh, Watsy and Peterson in the ruck. Um, unfortunately, he's not ready for it, but he's, you know, doesn't, we don't have the luxury to, to develop him at the moment in the twos. Mm. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, he's a guy that shouldn't probably play AFL for two more years, you yeah. know, and I don't, but just to get the, like, for that position, he's not like a Hogan that came in already a beast. Yeah. And you just, I do feel for him because I feel like he's going to just cop two years of probably having to play more seniors than he should and everyone will knock him because he just he just physically can't do it. I think he'll be better once Jesse's back and yep. Max is back and then he's got Watts and Hogan taking the two best defenders and but then he's got got the third best. So I, I think have he him might the, go alright. I wouldn't have him of. in the team when they're back. I would have him developing in the twos. I'd have Peterson in the team before him. I think Peterson's proven he can kick goals, can take marks up forward. He's a bigger body. Um, I'll keep Peterson in the team and use him as the pinch ruckman for the last five minutes of the quarter to relieve yep. Maxi. Yeah, look, it's going to be interesting when um, when everyone's back to see how good he goes in terms of the ruck and the forward setup. And uh, presuming that um, Peters keeps playing well, which he's certainly done or played to the best of his abilities, whether. He can um, keep his uh, keep his um, spot on the side. Rafiki's asked in the chat room yep. how Liam Hewlett's been going uh, at Casey. Um, he's not really a forward option anymore, is he? I think they've been playing him in defence this year for the most part. Yeah, I'm not too uh, not too familiar with uh, that. We might have to speak to Whispering Jack about that. Yeah, time. I've got a. I mean, he he was certainly playing forward last year, but I've got a feeling he's played. They've been trying him in the back line this year, so I don't think he's. Um, I don't think he's a replacement for Sam Wiedemann if that's uh, if that's what's sort of being talked about. Um, somebody else has just Earl Hood has just suggested maybe Mitch King, but um, uh, yeah, he's only four games back from a reconstruction and he's young himself, so I can't see King uh, getting a game at this stage. And Nasher, just uh, lastly from the chat room, says that Hewlett played forward again this week and apparently went okay. So, um, yeah, not certainly not bashing the door down at this stage. Um, and I wouldn't have thought likely to come into the to the ones to replace Wiedemann. Yeah, I think we're just going to have to ride it out until uh, our bigger men are back. Um... You know, the, and this is a good time to uh, have a look at our injury list at the moment. They, um, the, you know, uh, Melbourne released uh, this week's injury list, and you know, I, you never sort of can tell how accurate it is. Um, 
because the last few weeks, uh, Aaron Vandenberg has been six to eight weeks and he's still six to eight weeks, but they did come out and say that uh, Vanders is not travelling too well at the moment and is at least um, eight, still eight weeks away. Um, yeah, his uh, heel is not healing. Can't take a trick, can he? I mean, that's uh, two years in a row now where, uh, you know, it's hard to see him getting back this year now, basically, or certainly not in the ones, the way it's going. So, mm, uh, absolute bad luck for Vanders at this stage. Just, uh, yeah, it's all going against him. We could use him too, mm-hmm. up forward at the moment. Yeah, a big body who could take a mark, um, you, know, yep. sort of a, a, you know, a smaller forward but still a big body. Um, I think on the positive side, uh, we've got uh, Jake Spencer, they're saying two to three weeks away. And uh, Maxi, well, Maxi, they've still got listed as four to, four to six weeks away. But, but Max has said something else, hasn't he, on well, radio? Yeah, he, well, he put his hand up for Collingwood or at least the Bulldogs, or maybe the Bulldogs the week after. Yep, the so week after, yeah. That's four weeks away, so we'll see. Um, hopefully uh, we can sort of, after the break, get a few of these uh, players back because, you know, we need them. Does Kent get another chance this week or... Um, will we see one of Harms, Nibbler, Stretch or Kennedy come in? Titus, what do you reckon? Uh, I'm, I'm Kent, inclined Kent to give him from one more go. You know, I'm inclined to give him one more go. I mean, he wasn't great, but I mean, you know, like, it's not like we're, we're flush with other options yeah. and, you know, see how he goes, you know. Hopefully he lifts, lifts, you know. This is the... This is the problem we've got at the moment. It's just, you know, the injuries we've had, so specific around rucks especially, you know, it's been pretty it, – it, it, it's, it's, it's rare that you can say injury is completely a legitimate excuse, but it has structurally just and, – and Jesse being out too. You know, it's like anyone over sort of six foot three is injured. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. Yep. I, I'm inclined to give Kent another go, but, I, I mean – we said the week before in, on the podcast um, that he didn't have a fantastic game against Adelaide, but he still kicked two goals and, you know, he did his job as a small forward. If I've, if I've got a small forward kicking two goals every week, I'm happy with that. So uh, he didn't do it this week, so I don't know, maybe one more week and if he doesn't, then he might have an extended uh, break in the twos. Yeah. Look, part of the issue, I think, this week, which we mentioned before, and look, Jeffy Garlett was also quiet, was that the ball didn't really come to ground in the forward line um, because, you know, Wiedemann and others couldn't make the contest and Jack Watts didn't have a particularly good game either. The north backs were generally able to mark um, and and then clear the ball. So there weren't, probably weren't the same number of opportunities uh, for Kent and Garlett this week that there have been in weeks gone by. Yeah, I, I thought. Yeah, Jack Watts had a very poor game, and his body language sometimes is is well, not body language, but uh, yeah, the way he sort of holds his body when he's going for a mark is just it's uh, yeah, it leaves me shaking my head sometimes. I don't know whether others others are of the same opinion, but um, he looks like Gumby sometimes when he's going for a mark. It's just all. All floppy jalopy, basically. He's, he's never he, he's never had great body language. I mean, that was part of always the problem with Jack 
is he ne- you know, he never looks like a, a Viney that's going to go through a brick wall. So Viney, even if he doesn't do well, which he usually does do well, he, at least the effort looks like it's there. Um, and, and Jack's just always, I think, suffered a bit from just not – he doesn't look like that. And so if it doesn't go well for him, yeah, he cops it for both ways, if you know what I mean. Yep. Yep. No doubt about that. All right, so looking forward to uh, to this week uh, playing in Alice Springs. Uh, you know, this is part of our uh, giving away, selling our, our home games. And, well, at the moment, the MCG, well, maybe we can talk about that. Uh, MCG isn't, uh, isn't a, our, our home ground. Not a happy hunting ground. Not at all. I used to love going into the G, you know. We sort of play our best football there. But uh, this year, it's sort of... Uh, Give me Eddie had stadium any day. I never thought I'd say that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're sort of so going going all right anywhere else um, other than at the home. Um, Donelska has just posted in the in the chat room that Jack is the Mark War of the MFC. Looks laconic, sublimely skilled. Can I just clear up a misconception? And this is the most commonly misused word in football. Laconic does not mean effortless and it's you don't use laconic to describe how Gary Lyon used to float around um, sort of skillfully without any effort laconic actually means of few words so it's someone who's got very little to say so when you say that a player looks laconic um, uh, it means that um, that they they don't say a lot so um, you see that everywhere and you used to see it all the time Gary Lyon is so laconic um, and it's uh, anyway. There's my little well, little uh, language rant for the evening. There you Is go. That your arts degree coming to the fore. <laughs> yes, there, there it's about you... the only thing I, I know. So, <laughs> um, uh, 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 Donelska's apologised and says I stand corrected. So um, all good. <laughs> we can we can move on. So uh, there you are um, accusing Donelska of uh, well you. You were accusing the umpires of uh, their own interpretation. Perhaps he meant that uh, Jack Viney was uh, a few words. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's possible. Absolutely. I don't know what the poster's intent was. So, um, if they're posting on an east-west axis in the <laughs> defensive third, I think they're on safe ground, and we can award a free kick. So I think we've got to hope that the. Um the Alice Springs turf is a happy hunting ground for us. Um, I'm a little, I'm a little bit worried about uh, the Gold Coast. Um, maybe this is just my Melbourne, Melbourne Football Club supporters syndrome coming through because, um, I, I, you know, I, I've said I think we have the ability to be able to beat any team in the league at the moment. But on the flip side, we have the ability to lose to any of the teams. Um, so I'm a bit worried about uh, the Gold Coast. I'm worried about Ablett. I'm worried about uh, Lynch. You know, forwards oh. seem to have their best games against us. I'm very worried about Lynch because I just think the way the ball comes into forward lines against us and our lack of probably a second big defender means we're in probably real trouble. Um, well, this is why it was so strange that they started McDonald forward on the weekend. I thought we sort of needed as many tools as we could back there. So, 
Um, yeah. Well, if you look how Ben Brown stitched us up, what's Tom Lynch going to do to us? Because Tom yes. Lynch is about five times better than Ben Brown. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, speaking about a, another big backman, um, you know, there's been talk this week about um, who's the guy that we... Uh, Stephen May. Yes. Yep. Stephen May. Yeah, I mean, are we are we going to look at that? <laughs> I think we have to. Well, I think Gary Lyon was the one that floated that, and it's um, I've heard that May's happy up on the Gold Coast and likes it there, and he's going to probably stay. But it reminds me of these things where, you know, people just float in the media. We should go and get this really good player. <laughs> like, of course we're going to try, I guess, but you know. I don't think he's necessarily going to want to come and move. There's talk of Nathan Jones's brother, though, from the Swans. Yeah. He's not. Yep. He's more a run and carry off the back line, but um, we're in the hunt, apparently, for him. So, so we, you know. we talked about this, I think, uh, Grapeviney. We talked about it earlier on in the year on the podcast, yep. and at the time I sort of said, no, nah, I'm not really interested. But I've since we've talked about that, I've noticed him a lot more. And I don't know if I've noticed him a lot more because we talked about it or because he's actually um, performing a lot better. Uh, but I'm starting to change my tune about him. I, I, I like him, but, uh, yeah, still a, still a yeah, long no, way off. He's been good this year, yeah. so, you know, I'm all for I, As much of the Jones family as we can get, I'm quite happy about that. <laughs> well, we like sort of uh, getting the set of brothers <laughs> We've done that yes. for years and years. <laughs> yep, that's true. Like it's funny, we had the classic Demon Land suggestion this week in regards to Stephen May. Somebody was um, paying out on Oscar McDonald and saying he's not worth it and, you know, we should get rid of him and offer him up as trade bait in return for May, um, which is this sort of classic proposition that we can offer up a player who we de- – who we um, decide is a dud and get someone good in return, um, not expecting that the opposition club will be wise to what we're up to. So, um, yeah, one of those uh, uh, one of those rainbow trades. We tried to pass off Jack Trengo to Richmond. (laughs) Remember that one? And we almost got away with it too if it wasn't for that meddling (laughs) doctor. (laughs) That's when I started to get worried. Either we were we were either totally trying to cheat them. Or our medical staff really need to go to medical school. They must have the same arts degrees we all do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But, yeah, look, Zach Jones is an interesting one because his, his form's good. I don't know whether he's exactly what we need, um, but uh, he's playing good footy at the moment. Yeah, Giving a lot of drive off half-back. Is he more? Yeah, he's more half-back than midfield. Um, but I think we're all right. Off the half back and in the midfield, um, I think we've got deficiencies in other areas. Uh, but you know, I'm always happy. Yeah, to I, I don't see him as a priority. No. But um, he's not a he's he's not a bad player at all. But if we can give up someone that we think's a dud, then I'm all for it. <laughs> <laughs> and what's better, we can package them all together, <laughs> all the NQRs in one big bundle. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's that's the way to do it, I think. We can always go back to Neil's money ball way. Well, I don't think we <laughs> yes. gave that enough of a try, really. Well, yeah. Uh, but wasn't Peterson, was he part of the money ball strategy? I think, was, yeah, Peterson, I think Peterson probably, well, Peterson was for Gisbert's. 
they got Jordan Gisbert's out of Peterson, I think, wasn't it? Wasn't it a straight swap? Well, I think we did better on the on that uh, that transaction. Yes, hasn't really been uh, heard of since Jordan Gisbert's. No, um, I haven't heard of he, heard from him since that first game that he played. <laughs> that we thought he was yes. going to Brownlow. Yep. Um, but yeah, Moneyball. Well, that brought in champions like Gillies. Um, and uh, along, yeah. <laughs> and those types. So, um, yeah. Shannon Burns yeah, as Shannon, well. Shannon Burns, yes. And remember, Shannon Burns kicked six goals in a intra club match, <laughs> and it got written up in the media like, "What a great signing that he kicked six goals in a intra club match." And I'm like, <laughs> "Which do- is, we have to play other teams." But apart from that, he was a very good pickup. All that when tells me against Melbourne, he was very good. Well, that's re- exactly right. All that tells me is that whoever was playing on him is really not good. So. <laughs> yeah, it was actually the they they picked they read the sign wrong there. It should have been the other way. <laughs> oh. Extraordinary times they were. That's for sure. Extraordinary times. So well, this is why when I look at Clayton Oliver, I just feel like you know we might have a genuine you know, star of, like, you know, top two, three player in the league in, you know, the next few years, if not already. And it just does my head... I just can't believe it. I can't get my head around it. That How has this happened? Did he get... He was tagged this week, wasn't he? Uh, quite heavily. Yeah, he still kicked that goal and he still, you know, did a lot of good things. Yeah. So, you know... When yeah, it's amazing because people are sort of saying he had a poor game and... It certainly wasn't at the level that he's um, had up until now, but he was. Uh, they were a lot poorer than than uh, than Clayton Oliver on the day. He's he was probably just okay rather than rather than great, which is what he's sort of been for most of the year. So one uh, one I, I quiet wish, day we can forgive. I wish I could play that badly. <laughs> yeah, that was a bad game. I'd, 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 I'd be happy with all our players playing as badly as him. Yep. Yep. I think he. I think he's going to be a genuine superstar. So, um, Rafiki saying he was a bit off. His handballing was sloppy. Um, but he's not the lone ranger there. Nathan Jones seems to uh, have this sort of patch in every game where, for fifteen twenty minutes, every time he touches the ball, it goes directly to the opposition. And Jordan Lewis does the same thing, doesn't he? For you know, we've got senior guys turning the ball over um, under sort of next to no pressure. Um, it's it's uh, and and it hurts, doesn't it? Oh, it's killing us. I mean, that we we beat ourselves every week. That's the one weird thing this year. Like in other years, we just get smashed by an opposition that was so far above us it wasn't funny and for the you know if we can fix some of our own problems you know the problems lie within our team this time not the talents there the ability i think even the desires there it's they just sometimes i feel they just need to actually calm down a bit with the disposals and put a bit and keep that pressure up though on the defensive level that they sometimes drop off yeah there's no doubt we look rushed on occasions when we probably have more time to stop and assess the situation rather than just sort of dishing off those sort of quick handballs. Um, so, again, I guess that's uh, that sort of inexperience and 
and youth coming through. But um, you expect guys like Jones and Lewis and Vince um, to not make as many of those mistakes because they're meant to be senior players. So, um, yeah, it's a bit of a shame. Well, we'll hope that uh, they can change, turn around that form uh, going into uh, this this week. So, um, is there anything else, uh, Grape Grinder, you want to uh, discuss before we uh, wrap it all up? Uh, no, I think we're giving it a, a good shake tonight. We've been very lucky to have our uh, guest on, and uh, he's been a good sport hanging around for the duration of the show. So, right. um, it's been fun, guys. It's um. Fun to be able to drill down with someone, other people, uh, to the same level of intensity on my team <laughs> that uh, you don't always get to do. When I do it to other people who don't back for Melbourne, they find they start to zone out after about two minutes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. Fi- I find that as well, uh, particularly when I'm talking to my wife and she <laughs> really does not care <laughs> one iota of what I've got to say about uh, anything related to football. There's always a home for you on Demon Land, Titus. If you need to talk about Alex Neil Bullen at two thirty in the morning, there's a place for you to go and uh, and uh, mingle with like-minded souls. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Not a problem. Now, do you remember? I don't know. It all depends on whether you started um, following the D's. Where, it depends when you started following the D's, but do you recognise, and I'll play it now, our uh, theme music? Um, do you remember this song? <laughs> I, I remember it from, I think I, I, I have seen it before, but I don't have I remember from the time or from YouTube. Okay. It, w- it was in, I think, 88 or 89 that yeah. they produced some uh, video where the, where the players are sort of, you know, uh, play- doing karaoke to this song. And <laughs> it's quite funny if you look it up on YouTube. But, uh, yeah, we've taken it as our theme for, <laughs> for this show. If you want a good YouTube clip, Google Daryl Summers at the 1987 Grand Final. He sings Waltzing Matilda <laughs> in a white cotton suit with the sleeve rolled up. <laughs> Very good. Sounds. Uh, as as you were saying that, I'm uh, looking it up right now. I just oh uh, yes, I, I think I even remember that. <laughs> I'll have to watch. I think we're afterwards. all still crying from the week before, where we probably didn't notice at the time. Fantastic. Well, uh, Titus, I really want to thank you for joining us uh, tonight. Uh, it is much appreciated uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to. Uh, to chew the fat with us so uh, thank you very much much appreciated no problem guys thanks a lot alright thank you very much alright so um, I just want to once again thank you to uh, Titus O'Reilly really appreciate him coming on and uh, yeah that was great uh, great Viney so um, yep just another demon tragic yep like the rest of us so um, yeah um, good really good chat and a um, lovely guy too. Yeah, was well, great. And there's the answer. He answered that uh, question that we all wanted to know: that does he post on uh, Demonland? And uh, well, apparently not. No, and, but we haven't heard from Destroy All tonight. Yes, um, <laughs> and he is usually about in the chat room. So the mystery, um, uh, the mystery remains a little bit, uh, a little bit unsolved. Yeah. Well, anyway. 
we'll move on and um, yeah we set our sights to uh, to Alice Springs this week and hopefully when we're back next week we we've got something good to talk about um, yeah I don't like these one you know it's almost like our finals appearances in the 2000s the one week on one week off one year on one year off um, yeah people need to get off this idea that every win is a line in the sand game and that every loss is like um, proof of a false dawn um, we turned the corner and had the line in the sand I don't know two years ago at Geelong maybe and forget the false dawn this is a uh, we are properly rising and uh, you know the losses that we're having are not um, you know not proof that, uh, that things are going off the rails not by any stretch of the imagination so people should stop you know Riding this crazy emotional roller coaster when it's all trending upwards. Yeah, yeah. Keep the faith. Yeah. Well, look, uh, look. You know, I've had to re-loop the uh, song again, uh, but you know, while we're on it, we may as well talk about it. Yeah. Look, we're not getting pumped every week. I mean, that's got to be a positive from the last, you know, ten years. You know, where we're, we're in games, where you know, we're thereabouts. You know, it's gonna eventually it'll click, and we will win those games. So you got to keep the. We do have to keep the faith. Faith. Um, you know, they, sure they're winnable games, but you know we'll get we'll get there. Um, and I mean, the the guy who wrote the uh, the thread the other week, uh, are we a genuine contender for the flags? Probably got a bit of eggs on his face. <laughs> I think he went a bit too early with that one, but um, you know, the the wins will come. And apart from the odd laps, I'm loving watching us this year. It's exciting. Um, we're exciting when we're on. I mean, and, uh, you know. I mean, um, coming back, it would have been nice if we had gotten our nose in front. But, you know, we got to within basically level. Third quarter was disappointing, but we still came back and almost, you know, pipped them again. Yep. Um, yep. It's exciting. And, all right, we're going to... I want to win these games and eventually it'll happen. But... You know, we haven't seen this type of football where we've, you know, thought we'd been out of it and come back. We, we haven't seen this in a long time. It's a lot to be excited about, and it'll come. Yep, agreed, hundred percent. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's leave it on that. Note. Let's leave it on that note. Exactly. All right. Thank you, uh, Gravewiney, for uh, joining me once again, and uh, thank you everyone for listening. Um, Join us where join us each week if you're listening to the replay of this. Uh, join us live. Uh, we have a chat room at demonland.com slash podcast. Um, come chat with us uh, and listen to us live. And um, we'll be here every week, Wednesday, 8.30 p.m. And um, thank you. Go days. Go days.